Welcome to ATR Around the Rink, the hottest podcast in the West. I'm Jerry Oster with me again, and I'm pumped. It's like Biggie used to say in the 90s. Oh, baby, baby. I got Caden Jarvis. How are we doing today, KJ? I'm doing great, Jerry. I love the throwback to Biggie. Also, hottest podcast in the West of what? In the West of the world, man. I love it. Western world. Western Canada. Western Canada. Some might say Western North America. Some might say Western Hemisphere. I don't know. Is there a Western Hemisphere? I, I, yeah, I think so. Uh, we're going to go with it. Okay, let's get going here. We are happy to be coming from you or coming to you live from the third lockdown, folks. We did it. Um, as back. a community, we're back. We are on lockdown for the third time. That means... Um, yeah, we're back to Zoom meetings, which is, I mean, my favorite thing in the world. I hope you can kind of pick up my sarcasm. Um, all programs suspended. Uh, I don't know. Mentally, I'm drained. Uh, where are you at? I am right there with you. Um, Zoom, you know, it was fun for the first maybe two weeks of the very first lockdown. Uh, but since then, it's really kind of dropped. Um, yeah, I'm exhausted from it. I want to be able to, to just do something other than just sit at home. So, um, hopefully this one's not as long as the last ones, but who knows? Keep our fingers crossed that, uh, hopefully by June we're back running, uh, again, like we were, but you can never predict these things and we're going to roll with the punches like we always do. But again, a little bit of, uh, a disappointment last week when that came down the pipe, uh, but we're rolling with it. Let's uh, turn to some brighter news because this podcast is turning into a Debbie Downer <laughs> real quick. Um, positive. Uh, the NHL regular season is wrapping up currently. Jets have one more game to go on the schedule. And then we're getting into the playoffs. Caden, I want to know some of your predictions here. Let's start with the Northern uh, Division. We got old school, man. Toronto, Montreal. Who do you like in that series and why? I got to go with my boy Jumbo in Toronto there. Jumbo. Um, yeah, I'm taking Toronto. I'm going to take Toronto in in six. In six. Yeah. Okay. So we got them in six. I'm going to go Montreal in seven. Okay. That's because I can't stand Toronto and not a huge fan of Jumbo either. Oh, okay. I'm not a fan of Toronto, but Jumbo's my all-time favorite player, so I got to uh, root for him now. You know what? I, I We talked about this the other day. Yeah. I can't. I have trouble rooting for uh, – hey, if he wins it, I'll be happy for him. Yeah. But I'm not a big fan of the Ray Bork move, you know. You play with one franchise and then you leave that franchise to go win a cup. Nah, not my, not my favorite way to do it. I'd rather – I'd have more respect for him if he just stuck with San Jose and just, you know, went into a sunset there. <laughs> Let's look at Edmonton-Winnipeg, the hottest series uh, I mean, in the West, obviously. Yeah. Uh, who do you like and why? This one's a tough one. I, I've, I'm going to go... Uh, my heart says to go with the Jets. Um, my heart says to go with the Jets. My brain... I don't know. McDavid's been hot. You know, what's he at? 103 points in 54 games or something like that? McDavid's like Hansel right now. He's really hot. Yeah. That Hansel's so hot right now. That's a Zoolander quote for anybody out there who cares. Uh, go on, sorry. Uh, so I'm going to say, like, it's uh, – I just don't know if the Jets can contain him. That's that's my thing. Because he can he can outright win a series at this point, the way he's playing. 
Caden, you can't contain a fire, but you can let it not spread. I heard that from a fireman friend years back, and um, that's what I think they're going to do. They're going to, you know, you can't put out that fire. Okay. He, he's the yeah. best in the league for a reason. Yeah. However, I think the Jets are going to uh, try to blanket him with our third line. That Lowry, Appleton, and whoever you want to put in on that line, uh, I think that's the best uh, chance for the Jets to, to beat Edmonton is if, if they can kind of just slow him down a bit. You're not going to stop him, right? Yeah. But if you can slow him and dry sidle down, uh, I always think of the way it's a little bit different, obviously, different sports, but football when they got a good running back. Yep. You know, take away the running back. Yeah. You know, let's see if they can win it another way. I'm the same way with Edmonton. Take away Dreisaitl and McDavid if you can. Mm-hmm. Let the other guys win it. Okay. Like, what, are we going to – is Yamamoto going to beat the Jets? <laughs> I'd like to see it. I'd like to see him try. And I think it's going to really come down, to be honest, in this series. I think it's going to come down to uh, goaltending. 100%. Who is Edmonton's boy? Mike Smith, 39-year-old, oh, yeah. playing like he's 29. He's, yeah. he's playing lights out right now. Yeah. So – this is a toss-up. Uh, you went with Edmonton. I'm going to go with the Jets. I went with Jets. Oh, you went with Jets. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay, well, we both got Jets, yeah. so that's good. Um, and you know what? Let's leave it there. Let's just keep it with the North because that's kind of yeah. what we've been doing uh, on the pod. We don't want to go through anything. No one cares anyways. Um, okay, so let's get to the interview. We got Sebastian Bordalo. We talked with him uh, last week about his time in you know working with the Nashville Predators as their skills coach. We also talked about skill development in his career. Uh, you know, it's been from the NHL and into Europe for uh, about a decade there. He was in Europe for so. Uh, great interview coming up. What do we say, KJ? Let's drop the puck. Uh, welcome to the podcast line. Longtime hockey professional and now skill development coach for the National Predators. We're pleased to welcome Sebastian Borlo to the podcast. How's it going today, Sebastian? Doing great, guys. Thank you for having me. So how's Nashville today? It was like, it's actually raining today. Uh, I, I woke up this morning at 5 in Columbus and drove down, and it was, it, it was pouring rain the whole way in. It was, uh, that, was, that wasn't easy. Like, it was almost as hard as my uh, dro- drive yesterday, and I did 13 hours. All, today was only five hours, and it, was, it seemed way longer than five hours. But it's okay. I made it. <laughs> Okay, so let's take a look back. Let's start with your hockey career. Uh, you spent time in Montreal, Nashville, Minnesota, and Phoenix in the NHL, and then went over to Europe. Uh, first off, what was it like playing for such a historic franchise such as Montreal? It was nice. You know, obviously, uh, I didn't grow up in Montreal as much as uh, like the other kids. Uh, my dad was playing in, over, over in France and Europe, so we would spend our, our, our winter season over in Montreal in, uh, in France and we'd come back and way up north in uh, Wainaranda where my parents are from. So um, I didn't, it's not like, okay, it's my dream team to play for Montreal because I didn't grow up in Montreal, but it was obviously nice. We came back in Montreal. I was thir- 13 years old. Um, and then I saw them play obviously, but uh <clears throat> My, my favorite players was Stevie Y, so I love the Red Wings. And that, so, um, but obviously, Montreal won in 93, and I got drafted in 93. So it was a good, there was a good vibe in Montreal with, uh, with that cup. And uh, it, was, it was nice to be part of that, whatever, a summer vibe when I got drafted by Montreal. And uh, after that, you know how it is. You, you start your, 
you start your path and you're a rookie in Montreal. It's, it's trying to make your, your steps. It's not easy as a rookie and there's so much pressure in Montreal, Toronto, all those Canadian teams as a young, as, as a young player, you, you, you don't get maybe the, all the opportunities that you would like, but, uh, I really enjoyed my time there. It's, uh, one, one funny story. I was kind of in and out of the lineup. You know, you're, you're sometimes in eating hot dogs. The next time you're left wing, left wing on the first line, then you're back on the, on the fourth line. And so I was, they used to call me the convenience store, like whatever, whenever they needed me to be, I, I would be there. So, uh, I'm on my way to the rink and, um, uh, uh, my buddies call me on the, uh, on the way there. He's like, Hey boys, am I coming to the game tonight? I'm like, really? Why? Well, you're not playing. He's like, how do you know? I'm not even at the rink. Well, the, 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 the coach was on the radio and you said that this guy was in, so you were out. I'm like, all right. Well, that was Montreal. Everybody knows everything maybe before you or at the same time as you or like everybody gets, you know, so that it's, it's, if you're, when you guys are doing good, when the team is doing good in Montreal, like you're, you're a hero. And then when things are not going so good, like you get people on your, you know, on your bad side, but it's, it's part of the game. Who'd you have as head coach at that when you were in Montreal? Uh, I was Mario Chambay to start off, and then I had Alain Vigneault. Uh, it was the second time that I had Vigneault because Alain was my first coach in junior when I was 16 years old, and boy, was I scared of him. Oh, boy. <laughs> he was a mean person when I started at 16 years old. I was, he was a bit better in Montreal after that, but uh, no, I was... Uh, I've learned uh, a lot uh, with him, for sure. It was good. So when you started in Montreal, was there any veterans that kind of took you under your uh, under their wing and taught you the ropes of the league? Yeah, we uh, hung out quite a bit with uh, Patrice Brisebois and Pierre Turgeon. Um, and, you know, they would you know show me around and, you know, try to teach me how to behave like a pro in different situations. It could be... It could be around the rink or, you know, just uh, traveling with the team, different things like this. You know, guys have, guys were, were around the league. They won and they had good season. They were health players. So they, they, you know, they, for sure, they took me under their wing and they showed me the ropes here and there, different things. You know, you, you think you know your stuff, but you're like, uh-uh. You, you <laughs> can't do this. You can't do that. Uh, so no, it, was, it was fun. We, uh, we had a good group of um, a French Canadian in Montreal back then. Uh, and we had a really good mix of uh, also Western boys. So it was fun. We had, we had a lot of fun. So why not take us through your NHL debut, your first game in the NHL, uh, played at the Molson Center, I believe. What was that uh, day like for you? Actually, I played in the Forum. Oh. My first two games were in the Forum. So that was, that was really nice. But guys, my first game in the NHL was way under the radar. It was the first game that Montreal played in Denver after the trade with Patrick Waugh. So there was not much attention to my, uh, <laughs> my first game in the NHL. But uh, I remember that uh, my first shift, we get, uh, I get on the ice and uh, the face-off is right, right, in, right in front of uh, the, our team's bench. And uh, obviously, uh, Colorado has the last change. So they, they see me and my line get on the ice and like, Next thing you know, Joe Sackick is there, Valerie Kaminsky, and uh, Peter Forsberg. So Mario Tremblay is right, is right behind the bench, and he's yelling at me, boards, boards, change, change. So I'm like, 
things are going fast in my brain and I'm like, if I win it, I have to change. So I'm just going to lose it maybe and stay on the ice a little bit longer. That's my first NHL shift. So I, I'm like, oh, whatever. I'll just see what happens. So next thing you know, I lost the face off and then I stayed on the ice for, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds. And that was my first shift in NHL. So I thought it was funny. You know, it is. You're the fourth line on the ice and the first line on the other side comes on and the coach is like, Oh, what's going to happen? Change board. So that, that was, that was pretty funny. So, but no, it was, it was fun to get to play in the, uh, in the old forum. Um, I didn't, it was my first call up, um, in Montreal. I broke my thumb. I was in Fredericton that first half of the year and I broke my thumb. So I didn't play a whole lot of games. Then I came back and Freddie started to play and I was playing really good. So they called me up for four games and I got to play. My first game in NHL, and then I played two games in the Montreal Forum and one game in the old uh, Maple Leaf Garden. So that was, that was pretty nice uh, to, to, to experience that. Well, we all know that you were kind of like a, a goal scorer when you played. Do you remember your first goal? Yeah, I was against Pittsburgh, uh, against Patrick Lalim, a good buddy of mine. Uh, we had the same agent, so we'd hang out uh, lots together in the summer. Uh, it was a nice backdoor play. Shane Corson uh, gave me a nice feed on the rebound, so it was good. Uh, um, somewhat, I'm really bad with dates. I forgot which date it was, <laughs> but uh, I know it was against uh, Mario Lemieux. And again, that game, my first goal went under the radar because I think he scored four goals that game. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, a, that's how it goes. So you talked about Stevie Y being, uh, you know, a guy that you look, looked up to as a kid growing up. What was it like playing, you know, your first game against uh, Steve Eisenman or you talked about Mary Lemieux? What was it like playing on the same ice as some of these, you know, icons of the game? Yeah, well, obviously, um, those three guys, I think for me, Gretz, uh, Lemieux and uh, Stevie Y, it took me maybe a few shifts or maybe a period to kind of get out of the starstruck uh, moment because you're like, can't can believe I'm playing against these guys, you know, and uh, it took me, I think, three or four years before I asked Stevie Y for a stick. Uh, <laughs> I said, I got to have one one day. So uh, uh, towards the end of the game in Nashville, because we, when I was in Nashville, we played Detroit man, many times. Uh, towards the end of one game, I said, hey, uh, if you have an extra stick, I'd be like to, I'd like to have one of yours. You're, uh, you're, you're still a, really good player and you were my idol growing up so next thing you know the trainer comes uh comes on our side and gives me a stick sign so it's good i still have it i still have it it's in my son's uh, bedroom so it's it's, it's fun it's fun so. so you talked a little bit about playing for elaine vigneault in montreal and in, in junior uh then you moved to nashville and you, you played for barry trotz uh two like these two coaches will go down the history of you know great coaches what was it like playing for both those guys and were there coaching uh, similar at all? Um, yes, yes, I would say so. Uh, if you're talking about tactics, it was very similar. They just had two different personalities. Uh, Alain was uh, very vocal with us, with me. Like, I don't know if it's because I had a pass with him. He had me in junior, so we, we would talk a lot. Sometimes he would not not always nice. He would yell at me and would have good challenge contests, uh, good arguments, but it's always been good. You, you always wanted to push me in the, for, for the right reason. So I didn't mind that. And uh, 
And Trotsky was a little bit more quiet. We had, uh, he would not talk uh, so much, but when he did talk with you, he was always, uh, um, you know, in a, for a constructive purpose uh, for your game or for, you know, to explain different situation within the, within the team. And uh, so both of them were really good. Trotsky, it was his first step in the NHL, same thing as Alain Vigneault, but maybe because, like I said, I, I had a pass with Vigneault that was a little bit, um, I was maybe a little bit closer to him, as you might say, but, um, you know, I really enjoyed and learned uh, learned a lot with them. Um, you know, I had to find a, a way to play, and they were teaching me, uh, this is what we need from you, and if you do this, you'll play, and then that, that's what happened. So playing in Nashville, I know we've talked to some guys who played in New York and they get some stars and some actors come out and all that stuff. Playing in Nashville, any cool people that came to your games, any country artists that you got to meet? Uh, oh, yeah, they were all there. The Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks, the Dixie Chicks. Uh, it was amazing when we first started in 98. Uh, the country music industry uh, like really embraced uh, our uh, arrival here in Nashville and uh, – we were invited everywhere, the CMAs and whatever um, concert. Uh, it was just, uh, it was just amazing uh, to be part of that. Uh, still, you know, I I've been back with the team uh, that's finishing my second year now, so I probably came here to Nashville eight to ten times since I've got rehired, and um, it's the same thing. It's just that now we have. Uh, we have the soccer team, we have the football team, but back in 98, we were the only sport town, uh, sport, sport team in town. So, you know, we, we were lucky. We had all the good attention and people didn't know anything about hockey. They were just happy to have us. So it was amazing. They could not criticize anything. They were just happy. Like, it was so funny. Like they would explain on the Jumbotron, uh, icing, this is when this happens, uh, slashing penalties. So it was, it was, it was it was nice to be part of that. It was it's funny. So it must have been different from you for you coming from a place like Montreal where everybody you know knows the game you know or thinks they know the game, and then yeah. you go to Nashville and it's a completely different vibe. Big difference, big difference. I remember my my girlfriend at the time, my wife now. She uh, I, I had a friend outside hockey that would come to the game, and my wife would spend the whole game explaining the rules. Like, why are they changing so fast? Like, why can't they just stay on the ice? Why did the ref blow the whistle? And then after the first period, where are they going? Where are they going? <laughs> <laughs> so, so my wife was like, okay, I got to explain to him for two or three games, but then if he doesn't get it, I'm going to sit somewhere else. <laughs> so it was funny. Hey, uh, uh, I'm going to call you Seabass. People are going to wonder where that nickname came from. But, um, all like over your hockey career um, and, uh, you know, uh, growing up playing junior and all that, I'm sure you've collected, like you say, like a Steve Eiserman stick and you, I'm sure you got your first puck you scored with and all that. What is the most memorable piece of, of that you've collected along the way? Like if you could say this is my favorite piece or this means the most to me, what would that be? Um, probably my first game, I'd say, you know, like you, you don't really remember it. You're like, uh, you know, you, you're spaced out during that game, you know, you're nervous and, and, uh, I, I didn't for my first game, because first of all, you know, you're, you're starstruck because, you know, it was against Colorado. Second, second point is 
you don't think I didn't think I was good enough to play in that league. Mm. You know, I don't I didn't think like, oh my god, this is so fast. They're so strong. Uh I'm not in, in good enough shape. Like you're like what what's going on, you know? So but then uh, the more you play, okay, you're starting to relax and adjust and you okay, but you know, I think kids don't realize it, but the NHL is the biggest step of all. Like When you start, let's say, Bantam, Midget, the progression is good, major, major junior or junior A, and then college, or and even American Hockey League, the progression is good. It's, it, you know, you'll be able to adjust fairly quick. But the NHL, it's, it's completely in the, another level. And, um, and it, so when they sent me down, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> no, I, no, but, no, but seriously, I, got, I, I knew I was not ready for that. So I was like, okay, now I'm going back into Myers. I know what I need to work on. I know what I need to do to get ready, to get stronger, to get in better shape, um, I, you know, to be faster, to execute different things under pressure. So when you're going back in the minors, you're trying to get ready for the next call-up. So that was, that was my first few steps. And my first game in the NHL was probably the, you know, a, a nice memory. Uh, also, when, when we played Tampa, and my dad was coaching in Tampa with Jacques Demers, that was a good moment as well. You know, so after the game, we kind of hugged the, the ben near the bench, and uh, you know, so that, that was fun. Did he say anything to you on the bench, like when you're on the ice when he was coaching? Yeah, he was chirping me. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it back to him. That's okay. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit. You know, now you're out of the NHL and you head to Bern SC, playing the Swiss A League. Uh, you were up there for about 10 years. Uh, what was it about the league and about uh, Bern SC in general that you really, you know, found a home with and, and really enjoyed with your time there? You know, the, you know, life sometimes uh, throws you a curves ball. And uh, when I got hurt in Nashville, broke my neck and then abdominal and growing, uh, growing tear, um, um, that was my, my last pit stop that year was Phoenix. Uh, it was my fifth team that year. Um, almost quit hockey during that year. Like I was just uh, enough is enough. But I hung in there and we went back home and I told my agent, I said, I'm going to train like I never trained and I'm going to buy myself, find myself a contract with just find me a camp, just find me a training camp and I'll train like, like I never did. And I'll make my, you know, I've proven that I can play in the NHL at 40 points in Nashville and, So I trained like like crazy, and then mid July came, and uh, this summer, that summer, I was training with Christian Dubé, who just had finished his uh, three years in Lugano, and he was going to Bern. And uh, back then in Switzerland, you only had you know you were only allowed three imports, and uh, Derek Armstrong was there, and uh, two Swedes were there as well. But July 15 is the deadline for um, for guys to leave Europe with the NHL and on July 15th, Derek Armstrong signed with the Kings. So that morning I was trained that morning, uh, 15, July 15, I was training with Christian Dubé at the gym. And, uh, like, like usual, like we did, uh, all summer, uh, he went, he went home and looked at the news and he saw that Derek Armstrong left. So without even telling me, he calls the team's president. There was no GM back then in Bern. So he called the team's president and he's like, I have a good import for you. Give him a two-year deal. For sure it's coming. <laughs> send, him his, send him his contract, like good money, two years. 
I'll take care of the rest. He said he wanted me to come with him and burn. So that night we're playing in uh, Sherbrooke in that Sherwood League. Um, and he's like, Borch, you're going to get a, uh, a contract offer tomorrow. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I talked to my president. He's going to give you a two-year deal. You're coming with me. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not even sure I want to go to Europe yet. Well, wait till you get the contract. You'll say yes. So I'm like, whatever. So next next morning, I get a fax with a two-year deal with Burn. I'm like, oh, my God. We just had our son. Thomas was born in um, January uh, 3rd of that year, 2002. So, so that was July. So I'm like, my wife, she, my wife is like, well, I'm not going to work for a year because I'm just going to stay home with, the, with Thomas. So might as well try it. So we went there, never looked back. Been seven years in Bern, and uh, I think I'm one of the imports, if not the import that played the longest in Bern ever. And then I finished in Beal, played three years in Beal, and um, I still we still lived in Bern. My wife was working in Freiburg, so Bern was more like Central. Bern was uh, Beal was one way, Freiburg was the other way. The kids were in school in Bern, and it turned out to be probably one of the best things for my career. But at the time, it was my biggest deception to leave the NHL. You know, you leave, you leave the best league in the world and you're like, okay, I'm going to Switzerland. You know, well, what's it going to be like? But then it ended up being a good thing. We won in 04. Uh, I was always one of the top players in that league. Um, and no, it's, it's, it, was a, it was a really, really good experience. We, we miss being in Switzerland. Our lifestyle and everything was good. My daughter's born there. Uh, since we've been back, yeah, since 2012, I probably, I think I went back five or six times already. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun. So you talked a little bit about, you know, uh, the progression through Bantam, Midget, um, or sorry, U15, U18 now, um, and then junior. What was the, what was the difference when you left the NHL? Obviously NHL's best league, and now you go to uh, Switzerland uh, any major differences that you noticed that you had to kind of work at when you got there and go, okay, I got to make an adjustment here in my game. Um, not in my game so much. My first, like the first few practices, I was like, oh my God, they all can skate. They all can move the puck. And I'm like, these guys are good. Like they were like legit and big ice. And I'm like, oh, what's going, what's going on here? Like, you know, you, you're leaving the NHL, so you're thinking, yeah, it's going to be somewhat easier. But the practices, like, took me by surprise. But then when the game starts, that's where the – that's one thing that's missing, I find, for – in Switzerland was the, the hockey sense. You know, they, they were all good skaters, good skills, and good puck skills, but they weren't able to use it at the right time, I find. So that's wh that's where – you know, you would find a Canadian guy like me or someone else with good hockey knowledge, hockey sense, with less skating ability or less uh, puck skills would do better because you know where to go or where to be at the right time, uh, things like that. So it's, but one thing that I needed to adjust is to become a better athlete and run more. Those guys were running like crazy and doing like their, their summer program is they do a lot of jogs and a lot of mountain climbing and things like that. So I had to kind of adjust to it because I spent a few summers there. And um, I think it was because I was never, was never able to run. I was never a good runner. But then I had to 
learn how to become a good runner. And I think it helped me play until I was uh, 37, uh, you know, because I kind of changed my um, training progression. So, You talked about winning a championship uh, when you first got there. Uh, any other moments that stand out when you look back at your time there? Um, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be a championship, but something that stands out when you think back to your time. Yeah, well, my last year when I retired in Beale, we we made the playoffs, and for our for a small club like we had, with a you know very probably one of the lowest budget team in the league, for us to make the playoffs was like winning the the championship, and it was huge for the for the for the team, it was huge for the for the, for the city. So I'm really really happy and really proud of, of what we did that year. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have the team to to beat Zug. Zug was a powerhouse. They finished first, and they they were well coached, had good good players. Um, but um, just to be part of that first round of the playoffs for for our small team was uh, was good, you know. And ever since I left, they've they've had really good teams. They they they've been uh, making the playoffs uh, more often than not, and. Um, the budget has been bigger and bigger for that team. I, one of my good friends is the GM now over there, so we talk, we talk a lot. And uh, but I think that was a good stepping stone for for that team to make that that first playoff because they had been in the B League for for like the longest time. They had came back in the in the A League, and that was the first time I think in four years since they were back in the A League that they were making that we were making the playoffs. So um, it was huge for the city of Beale for sure. After your hockey career ends, um, you find your way right now. You're, you know, you're obviously the Nashville skill development coach. Um, was that always kind of what you wanted to get into or was it something that kind of just kind of happened organically? It kind of happened. It's, it's funny, you know, like uh, I talked about my son briefly uh, a few minutes ago. When I came back, I just thought that the, the level of development was very low, very low in Quebec. Um, and Thomas was second year Adam, and there's um, I, I was I was asking around like what's the schedule like for for a kid that age? He's like, well, you get 15 minutes of practice half ice a week. I'm like, what? You just came, you, we just came from Switzerland where we had four and a half hours of ice every week plus some off ice stuff like agility, whatever, like coordination, like different things. Like doesn't make sense. So then I heard that the O2s were able to maybe try out for the Pee double AA back then as an underage. So I'm like, hey, let's go. It's not so much that I wanted to upgrade them because you know you sometimes you need to play at your level. And I, the only thing that I wanted for him is more practices, uh, hours of practice. And the Pee double AA, they were sometimes two and a half or three hours a week of practices. So he did that team, PWA as an underage, but then still I, I thought that the on-ice development was not enough. So I started to do it. And I liked uh, all the assistant coaches that I had in Switzerland. They were all really good at doing all that skating and puck skills uh, development. So I started to do it on my own with my son. And then next thing you know, you have two or three kids and next thing I know, um, Stefan Dubé, who owns a, a gym, 
in um, in Blainville where the Armada junior team is playing. He's get, he's get, he gets like maybe 100 players coming through his gym in the summer. Uh, and he was doing the on ice part, but he was, it was, now he got too big. So he was too busy doing the gym and on ice. He was like, can you do the on ice part for me? And uh, that's where I met Megan Augusta and Ailey Irwin. Uh, Megan Augusta was, at the time, I believe, married with Marco Marciano. And Ailey Irwin lived with her. So they, those two girls were playing with Team Canada. So they, they were part of the, the boys group. So I skated with them. And um, they really liked my work. And they talked to Callie Quinn. With, Callie was with the uh, women's national team back then. And like, we should bring Sebastian on board with, uh, with the women's program. And Callie Quinn was in Nashville with me when I played in Nashville. So we kind of reconnected there. And she was like, well, I'm going to need to see what you do. And obviously, uh, they brought me along, I think it was in 2013, or I met the team in Ottawa. They, were, they, were, they had some kind of camp in Ottawa. I went there. They really liked what I did. And I've been with them ever since, uh, with the team, women's national team. And after that, one thing led to another. I was with Montreal's farm team because Sylvain Lefebvre, when I, I forgot that part. When Sylvain Lefebvre got hired in 2012 by Montreal to go coach in Hamilton, I got a phone call at 6.30 a.m. He's driving from Sherbrooke to Montreal. I was like, hey, boards, I just got hired by Montreal. I'm going to Hamilton. Can you be my assistant coach? I'm like, I just came back from Europe. I, my wife opened a private clinic in Laval. Uh, I, I can't just leave now. Like Thomas was 10 years old. My daughter was seven. I kind of retired to get away from that schedule in a way, you know, I'm like, geez, I can't. So he started in Hamilton. I did uh, one year with the women's national team and did my, my own thing in Montreal. And then a couple of years later, he calls me, he's like, can you come and work with uh, our team? Like uh, do some player development with our uh, Montreal's farm team. So I did that. I was with them for five years. And uh, so Hamilton for two years, St. John's for St. John's Newfoundland for two years, back and forth, and then in Laval one year. And uh, then when Sylvain left, uh, Montreal didn't renew my contract. And then that's where I said, I really like what I'm doing. I really like that part of player development. Uh, so I sent my resume to every team in the NHL. And uh, a couple teams uh, were re really interested, but Nashville were the first one to pull the trigger. So I was really happy because uh, it was kind of a, uh, coming back, you know, from 1998, uh, 20 years later, almost, uh, it was pretty amazing to be, to be back here with the Preds. Yeah. Thinking back to when you, uh, you know, started in NHL as a rookie and you see rookies coming up now, what's the biggest difference between the player back then to the player nowadays? Um, I think when I started as a rookie, I think we were, we would, train hard in the summer I did that was I think my generation were the kind of the first one to, to take it take summer training more seriously off ice but I have to say that the big difference now is they're not the, the, the kids are doing it off ice and on ice now you know the level of skills and the speed of of everything is is the big difference now um, like the, the skating is has gotten better and better the agility has gotten better so it's uh, uh, the only thing now that I'm fighting, somewhat fighting with some guys, is 
when to use their skills. Yeah. Like it's some, you know, like you see a lot of kids sometimes going to do a toe drag, like, or whatever. Like, why do you do this? There's nobody in front of you. Like, it's like they're doing an on, on ice skill drill in a game where, you know, it doesn't fit, you know, where you, where you should have done a puck protection or whatever. So that's a big thing that, uh, that I do now is like, okay, when to, okay, you're a good player, you skate well, you good puck skills, but do you know when to use your, your stuff? And that's one thing that I'm fighting a lot with. So. so just kind of touch on that. What are some things that you would, you know, if you were talking to younger or sorry, younger coaches or parents uh, with younger kids, what are some things that you think they should know about skill development with their, with their kids? It's a really good question. Um, if I look back, if I look back with, uh, with my son and uh, his, his age group, uh, there's a bunch of kids that, that, you know, that would, we were doing lots of stuff with them. I find the earlier, at a very young age, you can teach them the good fundamentals of, of skating, puck skills, but puck skills the right way with your eyes up and not doing uh, like whatever, uh, uh, Cirque du Soleil stuff on the ice. Um, it, the game is slow at a, at a young age. Okay, and that's where they're going to be able to sink all the info from from that from being on the in in that in um on the ice with the boards. Like hockey is a very complex sport, and at and at a young age, if you can master your skating and the puck skills, and the game is slow, then then you that's that's where you're going to learn the game, you know. And I'm really happy now that Hockey Canada has changed. At a young age, now we can play side by side. So you get a lot of puck touches, uh, a lot of instinct uh, development, and that's, that, that's what you want. And if they, if, if you, you're going to see it right away. A kid that has good skating ability and good puck skill at a young age, his hockey sense level is going to be way better growing up than the other kids. Because as you grow, as you grow, the game is faster. The players are better. So you have less time, less space. And it's tough when you get 15 or 16 to improve your hockey sense and your hockey IQ. It's still doable, you know, but if you're still focusing on your skating or your passing and you're receiving and you can't receive a pass and your eyes are always down and you, you're afraid to get hit or whatnot, then your hockey sense or your hockey IQ cannot develop because you're, you're, not, you're not focusing on what's going on out there. So I would say to the parents, like at a young age, you know, good skating ability, good puck skills, but the right way, you know, eyes up and, uh, and uh, side by side play as much as you can, a lot of puck touches uh, and have fun, have fun with it. You know, it's uh it, it, it's a tough sport to play when you don't have the right emotion, I find. Um, I'm sure that over your career that uh, you were given lots of advice. Some now you probably realize more now as you get older and you're out of the game. But what was, what was one piece of advice that you kind of sit back and remember now that, that kind of stuck with you and maybe that you've passed on to your son now that he's getting you know, at the, you know, into the competitive or into his pro career? For me, my dad were very emotional, and you know, if if things if things don't go right one shift or one game, I mean, 
like to be a little bit stronger mentally. I wish I would have had a sports side growing up. And that's why my kids, at starting at 14 years old, they were training their brain. And um, it's one thing that I, that I wish I would have been better at is uh, stronger mentally to deal with different adversity. And because uh, sometimes I would take it too personal and, uh, you know, the highs and the lows were, were too were too big. And um, I wish it would have been better in that, in that regard. And that's why, uh, you know, we, we do all of that for the on ice, all of that with the off ice, but sometimes we forget the brain and not, you know, not so much for performing, but just how to deal with different emotions. Mm-hmm. And I find that uh, I, I, I still think that we have to come a long way in hockey in that, in that regard. Uh, People are way open about it now, uh, but still, uh, if I look at our players with Nashville, we have our sports psych full time with the team, and I and I uh, talk to my guys all the time. Like, how many times did you call Vicky? Uh, zero. Okay, but don't call her when things are bad. You need to call her to practice your your brain to to, to learn how to behave in different situations, and that's one thing now that they're, they're I think the players are doing they're they're at least they're reaching out for help but when they're in crisis mode and that that's where you don't want to get you want to have you want to have the tools and the, the 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 guidelines to 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 deal with different emotions or different situations before you know so that's one thing that I that the players should be aware of but uh and uh one thing that I'd pass along to my, my kids for sure. Well, that's everything. Thanks for coming on today, Sebastian. We really appreciate it. Lots of great, uh, great insight there. Fun to talk to you about your hockey career and then to, you know, talk a little about, about the development side now. And uh, it's been great talking with you. So thanks again for coming on and we wish you the best of luck in Nashville. And uh, hopefully the Jets can play Nashville sometime in the next in the year. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. It's been great. Okay, man. Thanks, Sebastian. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay, that was a great interview. I mean, Sebastian Bortolo, like where do you start with this guy? Unbelievable skills coach, uh, crazy career, spanned from the NHL all the way to Europe. And talk about a guy who, you know, he talked a little bit about his intensity, his highs and lows. And I'm glad he kind of touched on that because I think it's important for players at every level to understand that, you know, it's, it's great to have emotion, but sometimes those highs and lows, if they're too high or too low, can kind of hinder your time on the ice. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, to hear Seabat, like, the first-hand stories from Sebastian there, I've heard him speak at a couple conferences and skill development stuff, so um, that's always interesting. But now to kind of get him one-on-one and to hear these behind-the-scenes kind of stories was, was definitely very interesting. Well, I'm just I'm just really excited that we can call him Seabass now because yeah. I mean the Dumb and Dumber jokes are yeah. flying around my head right Boiler now. Boilermakers. Boilermakers. I mean, if that guy's name is Seabass. <laughs> um, but anyways, that's a, that's a story for another day. Um, thanks for coming on today, KJ. No. It's always a blast. Thanks for having me. I love being on here with you guys. Well, to everybody out there, uh, stay strong, stay safe, and remember, if you're not listening to the podcast. He ain't listening to anything. Oh, Black Betty, Pamela, oh, Black Betty, Pamela, she's from Birmingham.